Welcome, everybody, to the Finding Hermes podcast, a division of Aeon Bite. I hope you're ready to walk through the door with the god of the mind. Finally, put your cards on the table and find out who you really are. And today we have a very special show because, yes, the mind may hold all the secrets of the universe, but it tends to store it in the body. So that's what we're going to deal with so we can find lots of treasures. And we have two guests who are going to show us this and so much more. So very excited to be hosting Rebecca Tolan and Robert Ensor. Rebecca, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm wonderful. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for including me. Pleasure is all mine. And Rob, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I mean, it's terrific to have a platform like this. Indeed, especially in these days when we need help more than ever. I mean, uh, I don't want to say that traditional medicine has failed us. I love the scientific method and all that, but I think it's failed at being inclusive. I mean, as I talk to a friend in places like Germany, you can add acupuncture and yoga to your uh, insurance if you want. It's part of the whole healthcare thing. So you can, again, find out what you need. And I think this show wants to, the mission of the show is so, to show that there are alternative ways and we're all unique individuals that might need different physical, spiritual, and mental modalities to get better but i don't want to get on it too much on a tangent uh the audience know this so rebecca tell us about your story again you are you might say you and rob are a living case study of what you preach right what works yeah yeah rob and i both recovered through a similar mind body healing approach and i'll try to give you the reader's digest version of my story because it's quite long as i know rob's is as well so I went through a really traumatic event and then my entire system crashed. I got a series of viruses and eventually it was diagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome. I went from being this world traveling broadcast journalist to not really being able to leave my house much at all. This actually went on for the better part of 13 years and I had just a confounding array of symptoms, insomnia, body pain, brain fog. I couldn't even remember the name of close friends. You know, it was hard at times just to walk around the block. This ebbed and flowed for 13 years, but I had to go on disability. I had to leave my career and I really couldn't function much in the world. And I think, Miguel, when you talk about the medical system failing us, there's an entire spectrum of what we call mind-body symptoms or neuroplastic symptoms, which can't be addressed by the biomedical model because it's really being caused by the brain and the nervous system and the way it's processing stress in the face of threatening emotions or 
you know, stored trauma in our body. And so over the years, I went to 50 practitioners and did all the things from allopathic to naturopathic to spiritual. And what I really found is that my yoga and meditation practice were helping me more than anything else. And I really started practicing transcendental meditation and more advanced techniques for hours a day at times. And I fell into this state of grace or surrender where I just stopped trying to fight or fix my body through all these methods that clearly were not helping. And from that place, I still had very intense symptoms. It was feeling like I had the flu 24 seven, but I was at peace with it. I wasn't creating the mental and emotional resistance. And from that, I met a woman who told me about the work of Dr. John Sarno, who was also pivotal for Rob. And John Sarno, the late doctor, wrote four best-selling books explaining how repressed emotions can cause these chronic physical symptoms. I had a light bulb moment. She told me I wasn't sick after really explaining the science and how she had recovered through this approach. And I started running around the block. <laughs> I hadn't ran in, in 13 years. And that's where I got the power of the mind that when you truly believe something and even have a knowing, essentially stepping into a different paradigm, the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, the body, the nervous system will all respond in kind. Mm, thank you for thank you for that. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I had for years I had struggled with uh, addiction and manic depression, and it was uh, until like you, meditation, yoga. I just started to listen. I realized the body doesn't lie. That's where the information is. That's where the trauma is stored. And if I just start listening, it will give me gifts. Or as I tell people, sometimes your trauma, your pain, your stress, they just want to be listened to. And if you listen to them, they'll let you go. They're not bad. They're just there to teach you. And uh, it's been one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. There's nothing wrong with me, with me, as you said. And it's really helped me. There's a lot of work to go because my ego doesn't want to listen. So it's always a give and take with my ego and my body the eternal struggle but i agree with you 100 percent, and glad uh glad you got out of that journey you came to the to better places and rob tell us about your story and how your superhero story how it worked out well um yeah it's a very long story like rebecca's but um i will endeavor to give you the brief version um basically since childhood i'd had food intolerances and hip and back pain and other symptoms kind of simmering in the background. Um, but it didn't get really bad until February 2019 when I just finished writing a novel and my back hurt terribly getting out of a chair. And, you know, the pain persisted for weeks. I went to see an osteopath. She thought I had ankylosis spondylitis. I kind of Googled around, as many people do, and... Um, agreed and self-diagnosed myself at that point. Um, I didn't go to a doctor at this point, but because um, I kind of thought, well, you know, if I got autoimmune disease, doctor's going to say this is incurable. You're just going to get worse and worse. And uh, that wasn't really good enough for me. I, um, I wanted to get better, basically. So uh, with autoimmune disease, yeah, the, the main kind of alternative to mainstream medicine is 
the autoimmune paleo diet or functional medicine approach. And the idea is to use diet to basically um, reduce inflammation and control or even eliminate symptoms. And they do have success stories. Uh, you know, uh, generally speaking, the people who succeed with this approach still have to maintain a pretty strict um, diet regimen. But, you know, they can get to the point where they've got a few or no symptoms. So I chose the diet approach, um, dropped more and more foods from my diet, started with dropping lactose and felt better. So I figured, hey, this stuff works, you know. Um, but it kind of led to an unhealthy obsession with food. So over time, I had to eliminate more and more foods and I was still getting worse. I get like a temporary relief when I dropped, say, gluten or even starch at one point. Um, but the, the overall trajectory was down, was downwards. So I was getting worse over time. Um, I've got a full symptom list here. It's pretty massive. Um, I, I'll try and summarize some of the main symptoms. Severe chronic back and hip pain, chest pain, uh, shortness of breath, anxiety, depression, gingivitis, insomnia, frequent urination, uh, wisdom tooth related infections. Uh, the main one really was gluten, lactose, starch, egg, soy, onion, nightshade, artificial sweetener, and citrus intolerance. So intolerant to virtually almost all foods. Um, diarrhea, constipation, headaches, uh, severe chronic fatigue. Uh, like Rebecca, um, cold, cold intolerance. Uh, at one point, my my feet swelled up. Uh, urinary pain, dizziness, hand and wrist pain, uh, hemorrhoids, and an anal fissure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it got to the point where I could only eat a thousand calories a day of almond milk, mushrooms, and, and cucumbers, and that went on for four months. So I was severely malnourished. You could see my ribs. I looked a bit like a prisoner of war. Um, cause you know, I reacted terribly with pain and digestive symptoms to, to everything else. And, uh, also for one hospital appointment, I needed a wheelchair because I could kind of hobble around my house. Okay. I could get upstairs just about, um, but to go and travel any kind of distance, uh, say more than 200 feet, I needed a wheelchair. So that was pretty demoralizing. And eventually I did go see a doctor, um, reluctantly and five of them thought i had autoimmune disease crohn's disease was the leading candidate but celiac was also in the mix um one doctor said i was the worst autoimmune patient he had ever seen mm -hmm. which is quite the dubious honor and um eventually i got referred to a gastroenterologist now he wanted to do a um gastroscopy and, and an x-ray to see what was going on with my back. Um, both procedures got cancelled due to the lockdown and the pandemic. Um, but to be honest, I was glad because every time I saw a doctor, I got worse. I, I kind of got a nocebo effect out of it. And I can't really blame the doctors for that because, you know, they're talking about these incurable conditions, but they never actually, it was not an official diagnosis. You see what I mean? Right. So I kind of diagnosed myself and gave myself a nocebo. Um, a nocebo is like negative expectations about the outcome, uh, lead, leading to a negative outcome, where it kind of becomes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so, yeah, um, 
I, I, yeah, at that point, I wanted to go it alone and kind of do it on my own. Um, and at this point, I was agnostic. Um, but I was so desperate, I was willing to try anything. So I started praying, and um, I promised Christ I would spread whatever message he wanted me to spread if I recovered. And uh, that really was the turning point, because shortly after that, I got a recommendation from Amazon, a book by Dr. John Sarno called Healing Back Pain. And, um, you know, Sarno's thesis was, you know, as Rebecca kind of summarized, this back pain is psychosomatic. And um, he found that most of his patients were nice people or perfectionists. Uh, but I, I left this book on my nightstand for... Um, for two months i'm not really sure why i guess um i guess i couldn't handle the truth at that point and um it wasn't until i had a dream that i decided to actually read the book and the dream was i was on a podcast holding up one of sano's books i've got one here just to make the dream come true um the mind body prescription one of his books yeah, I was on a dream. Uh, uh, yeah, I was on a podcast holding up one of his books and basically saying, you know, the diet approach is okay, but this is better. So I figured, okay, well, this is my unconscious, literally screaming at me, telling me what to do. Um, I knew a little bit about dream analysis. I've read a little bit of Jung, and um, decided, right, well, let's let's give it a try. So I, I read the book, and um, Sarno's main theory is that you know. Pain and fear are distractions from repressed emotions. If you accept that pain is a distraction from the unconscious and you know ignore it and resume normal activities, in all likelihood you'd be fine. Um, ten, only about ten to twenty percent of his referrals actually accepted his diagnosis that their problem was psychosomatic. Um, most of those who accepted the diagnosis healed. A minority needed psychotherapy. But, you know, of that minority, most of them healed. So it was a pretty positive prognosis. Um, but it wasn't until I really applied this approach to myself that I started to get some results. So, um, yeah, I started thinking about repressed emotions. And within a few minutes, I felt about 20% better. I was like, okay, this is interesting. And then I went for a walk with my mom and uh, talked about some more repressed emotions, uh, things happened years ago. And, um, you know, three and a half miles at that point was a big deal for me. It was a dramatic improvement and there was relatively little pain. So at that point I knew for sure that this approach was going to work for me. Um, and from there it was gradual improvement. You know, I, I walked a bit further and ate a bit more every week. Um, until at one point, um, my foot swelled up uh hugely i mean to the point where i could barely get my and then the other foot swelled up and i could barely get my shoes on um massive swelling and um basically um sano's got this idea of the symptom imperative which is the idea that if you um begin to make some progress with his work you can see symptoms shifting or appearing in a different bodily system um it's just a bit like you know you've seen through one distraction so let's just throw another one at you that's different to try and shake you um so i i started journaling and um my, my dad died of als uh when i was 19 
So, and I repressed most of the grief. So I journaled about that. And within 10 minutes of this journaling, um, my feet deflated like, like someone had stuck a pin in the whoopee cushion, wow. basically. And um, so, yeah, I mean, at that point, it was pretty obvious it was symptom imperative. It was psychosomatic. Um, yeah, and, and from there, you know, I, I just kept progressing gradually. And now I'm fully recovered. You know, I, I can... I can run eight and a half miles, no problem. I can eat anything humanly edible. I can lift weights. So, yeah, it's a, it's a full recovery. That's awesome. Basically. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, so how did you two become collaborators and with your book, The Mind Solution? Well, I basically emailed Rebecca pretty much out of the blue. We didn't know each other before that. And um, she very generously volunteered to um, contribute to my book um my recovery memoir the mind solution so yeah i mean uh yeah and that was that was pretty much it awesome awesome i was so moved by rob's story because a lot of people with using the sarno approach recover from chronic pain or maybe chronic fatigue i'm working with a lot of people with long covid now and cfs but it's rare to hear someone who recovered from such disabling symptoms that, you know, he was in a wheelchair and could only eat three foods and potentially had autoimmune issues. And it just really shows the power of what you said, Miguel, that the deep listening to yourself, what Rob said, really working with or acknowledging the role of these repressed emotions and also the power of the mind and our belief systems about what's happening in our body. Indeed, indeed. So tell us about, uh, Rebecca, what to expect when, when people approach you and they're having chronic pain or whatever. What is the, the process they can expect from working with you? Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I'm working more with, with groups in my Be Your Own Medicine course. And what I discovered quite quickly is this diagnosis I got of ME-CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as many others. Uh, I have a laundry list too, like fibromyalgia and, and other things. Um, this was very similar to what I was hearing with long COVID, that people with long COVID who, who don't have any heart or lung damage are being told that it could be latent viruses or viral fragments or microclots or mitochondria. And I was told those same things. And I chased those allopathic models and tried to fight the bugs <laughs> or the virus for years without any uh, progress. And so what I teach and share with clients and students is how I recovered. So although I told you my light bulb moment and I started running around the block, there was a lot of inner work to do. I mean, there was a year where I was really working deeply with these practices because we have learned neural pathways in the brain and they can continue to generate symptoms until we interrupt those pathways. And for a lot of people, they need some deeper emotional work. Um, so first it's really teaching the knowledge. And Rob and I aren't saying, you know, that this can, that anybody can recover from anything. There, there's certain conditions with tissue damage, like 
cancer and other things that you, you may want to get the allopathic treatment, but really understanding that there's a lot of symptoms which doctors typically just write off as medically unexplained symptoms. Mm. That can be 30 to 40% of primary care visits are for medically unexplained symptoms. What we're learning through neuroscience now is that these are generated because of the way the, the subconscious mind and the nervous system are responding to repressed emotions and stress. And so really when you understand that knowledge, you can learn not to fear the symptoms and to start interacting with them as sensations in the body. So then I help people through somatic meditations. That was a really key part of my recovery is I started just tracking the sensations, what I would have called symptoms, with this mindful curiosity and just really being present to sensations slash symptoms. It might have been pain or aching or heaviness. Often they would morph into an emotion. And I actually started having... Um, anger and even rage coming up. My symptoms came after a sexual assault. And so I had to really work with that. And so one way to do that is through the somatic meditations. Somatic tracking is one that we do a lot. Um, other practices to help bring a sense of safety and regulation in the nervous system, expressive writing, Rob talked about to just really vent out the sort of deep, dark, repressed emotions, which I actually found I bypassed on my spiritual journey. And also I bypassed on my medical journey. But there's that part that's, you know, the parts of us that are angry, that are grieving, and that also need to be heard and felt in a healthy, safe way. So I walk people through those steps. And then a really important part of recovery is finding a sense of agency again and re-engaging with your life on your own terms, even with the sensations in your body. So we do something called graded exposure, which is actually a proven technique to overcome phobias like fear of heights and small spaces. Yeah but we're using it to overcome fears of our symptoms and the activities that may cause them. And so we just slowly move out into activities with this mindful awareness, with safety messages. And this is how we retrain our brain that we're capable of so much more than we realize. And it's just incredible to watch people come back to life not just in their physical body. I mean, they are recovering from long COVID and CFS and chronic pain and digestive issues, but to really re-encounter the, the physical, emotional, somatic body, you know, to befriend themselves, to acknowledge past hurts and how they're continuing to play out in the body and the mind, and to, yeah, to just reclaim that sense of personal empowerment. Thank you for that. Yes, the, as they say, the mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. So I think that's what we're 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 heading to. Uh, and you talk about long COVID. I'm agnostic. Uh, I mean, I assume it's some sort of trauma because the world was collectively traumatized and traumatized itself. We all have a part. We all played a part in our own trauma. Of course, we're not. Nobody is innocent. But you say long COVID could be, well, I guess it doesn't matter, right? The solution, as they say, is spiritual or mental. 
Yeah. And actually, I was a consultant on a study through Harvard Medical Center Mm -hmm. looking at this approach, this mind-body approach for long COVID. And although it was a small pilot study, the results were quite impressive. There was there was a high rate of improvement. Uh, people on average improved, I think, about 60% in terms of all their somatic symptoms just in 13 weeks. And, and I see people fully recovering. So as long as there's not tissue or lung damage from a more advanced case of, of the early infection, we do see long COVID as a process that's happening in the brain and the nervous system and not something that's caused by tissue damage in the body. And when you make that pivot, you realize that by finding a felt sense of safety in yourself and your body, you can allow the brain and the nervous system to settle, to regulate, to process, to integrate that stress and, and to come back into balance. Good deal. What about you, Rob? Do you have anything to say? Were you happy you found out you had an unconscious as I was a long time ago? Yeah. It seems history, humanity did a great job of uh, hiding the unconscious. Then came Freud and Jung and brought it back up. And then humanity just, civilization squashed it down. And now it's, now thank God it's back. And of course, I don't know if you guys have read uh, a book I really admire or enjoyed was uh, Gabor Mate's The Myth of Normal. And I'm glad he's bringing mm. The unconscious back, and it's it's there, and I don't care what you think of him, whether you like him or Jordan Peterson's been great at bringing the unconscious. So many thinkers from all spectrums are like, yeah. "Hey, let's bring back the unconscious." Even though marketers have always known we've had an unconscious, they they market to our basic desires, symbols, feelings, trauma. But it's good to see we humans have it, right, Rob? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it was kind of a relief to find out that I had a psychosomatic disorder because that implies you can do something about it. I mean, if, if it's purely physical, it's like, you know, there's not much hope. Yeah. It's self-knowledge. Um, what better way yeah. to cure things than to know yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the common denominator, really, between uh, Gnosticism and mind-body healing, I guess. is It's all about self-knowledge. And um, for me... The most important factor really was, as Rebecca was alluding to, um, belief. Um, And I do think, you know, if you look uh, at all the various approaches people use to heal, uh, whether it's whatever method people use to heal, whether it's diets, surgery, meditation or journaling or whatever, they're using belief because they believe in their method. So belief really is the common denominator in all healing. Um, and the other most important factor for me was, uh, what I call the divine bargain, the kind of deal I did with Christ. Um, and it's not just the standard prayer of, oh, you know, please God help me. It was, um, kind of, uh, transcending self-interest to tap into the power mm-hmm. of the spirit. Um, because the spirit is kind of somewhat unmoved by material concerns um and i think you know if, if, looking back at the uh, the bible i think uh, christ's power and his miracles really came from his selflessness he, he was free of the ego and i think this is what he's alluding to of a lot of these statements like before abraham was i am i am the truth you know 
I mean, I'm not sure he ever says I'm Jesus, but that's not where the emphasis is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really think that tapping into the spirit, which is above the mind, really, was the decisive factor. And that that came before everything else in my recovery. And Rebecca, I think you also had a uh, you also prayed, didn't you? Um, yeah. For recovery. Yeah, I don't always talk about this, but I, I do think that was very significant because for years during and, and after my meditations, I would just pray to be used as a channel of healing in this world, you know, heal me and use me as a channel of healing in this world. And it felt so deep in my heart. I just had this great desire, not just to get well, but to help others get well, because I could feel this this suffering and this hopelessness so deeply inside of me, but also that potential for something way beyond me to to heal and and I typically would heal would pray to God my my own understanding of God and spirits and deities and um, I I feel now like I I am living that in a sense I feel like I'm sort of just being used to help spread these healing messages to others in a way that I could never have imagined when I was so down in the dumps. But I can see why I had to go through that to really understand wow. and find compassion for others. And that is the biggest gift of this journey, not just the self-understanding, but the service, you know, really helping others find their way back home. Right. As Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. And I feel like that's really what mind body healing is when you embrace it in the way Rob and I have, and and so many do in their own way of like, really, how do I come home? And part of coming home is also connecting with others and helping, helping guide each other home. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Well said, yes. Uh, that's the paradox of being a human is as a species. Altruism is a survival tool. The more we help each other, the more we thrive. But also as individuals, each of us has a different purpose and a true purpose. No exceptions. We're not here. There's nothing as a meaningless life. So it's about finding it out. And it's true. I remember in my early days in Alcoholics Anonymous, I would call my sponsor. Me, 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 me. Suffer, suffer. Be like, well, have you helped another alcoholic? No. Well, help another alcoholic. Forget about you for five minutes. And uh, there's a saying in AA that goes, uh, if you're having a bad day, call your sponsor. If you're having a tragedy, call your sponsee. And like, this is the time to this is the time to let go of the pain. So uh, I agree with you, and it's hard because in my natural state, my egoic state, I just want to please number one. <laughs> That's such a beautiful example, Miguel. Because when we're trapped in that me, me, me mode, that's literally all we see. And then I have found helping others, serving others, just moving out in, in the world 
is actually an antidote to not just focusing on the small ego, but in the case of Rob and I, just focusing on the symptoms, which actually keeps the nervous system revved up. And all these studies show that when we help others, when we give to others, you know, we create just as many, if not more, healing, happy hormones as the person who received it. So, so as you alluded to, we're really wired to connect, to share, and to give. Yeah, which is not something that seems very prevalent in 2023 out there, especially if you go out on social media. It's uh, it's an age of the narcissists, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, and uh, the next question I had, uh, what um, the power of the mind, you talked about studies, maybe you can give me some examples or case studies, because for example, when people ask me, well, so the mind is so powerful and Hermes, the God of the mind and da, 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 da. I say, well, there's a study with people who have a split personality. I forget what's the, the term disassociative personal personality disorder. And you can have one individual who has different personalities. One personality will have like terrible allergies to peanuts. It'll just, you'll break out immediately when they switch to that other personality can eat peanuts with no problem. And so many examples. One personality can play the piano perfectly. The other one cannot. So it shows, A, the power of the mind over our physical body, and B, how all of us, in a way, are kind of fragmented. We're all, we all practice disassociation. We practice disassociation from our trauma. When we can't remember something, we're disassociating, even though it's all there. So what are some of examples or case studies you guys can give me about the true healing power of the mind? Yeah, there's Beyond so your many, own stories. <laughs> yeah, there's so many studies. I mean, first I'll say the adverse childhood experiences study really showed that abuse and neglect or any adverse childhood experiences predispose people to chronic symptoms later in life. So there's a lot of evidence that um, you know, our early conditioning really sensitizes the nervous system for symptoms or diseases later. There's some really interesting studies. There's one I'm thinking out of Northwestern University where um, when scientists were looking at scans of people's brain, they could actually predict who would have chronic pain from how their brain was functioning mm -hmm. rather than from scans of the, the physical structure of their body, which is typically what, what doctors are looking at is they point to bulging discs and say that's causing back pain. There's actually a lot of studies that show that's not the case. There's typically not a correlation between um, age-related changes in the spine, like degenerative discs and pain. Um, it's it's how the brain is processing stress. There's lots of interesting studies out there. Rob, do you have any off the top of your head? Um, well, yeah, there, there was one stru uh, study um, in 1999 by Smyth et al. about expressive writing. And they found about 28% um, that it was on um, rheumatoid arthritis patients. And basically, they got them doing a few um, journaling sessions, journaling about the most stressful event in their life. And on average, they had a 28% redu overall reduction in disease activity. So that's not 
just um, symptoms feeling subjectively better. I think inflammation went down as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I do a bit of mind-body coaching and I had a client, um, Ozzy, he had ankylosis. So if anyone's wondering about autoimmune disease, uh, I'm a bit of a mystery. Nobody really knows what I had, but my client, Ozzy, definitely had ankylosis spondylitis. He had it for for 20 years, proven via various scans and blood tests. And uh, after four consultations, um, he's got very few symptoms, mild flare-ups, and which can basically go away within a few seconds. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's food for thought if anyone's got autoimmune disease. And if you're wondering, oh, well, did he have it or not? And Rebecca's got many um, testimonials. I mean, I was interested, Rebecca, how much of a role do you think your um, your divine bargain, your use me as a channel for healing in this world, plays in your ability as a healer? Yeah. Oh, what a great question. You know, it, that's one of those things that's hard to qualify, and yet it could be the most significant of all. Mm. I do know that when I was in so much physical pain and disability and I would pray and I would just really set this intention for healing to come through me, I did fall into this state of grace after that where it was just a kind of surrender and non-resistance. And that's really key in what I share and I teach. And I think whatever has whatever alchemy and transformation has happened inside of us, that's what we have to give, right? Because it's not just the words, it's the vibration, it's the energy from which we are sharing. So I think we can all be of service to the degree that we also do the inner work and transformation. And then it's not just me, it's it's what whatever does that through us, the consciousness mm. moving through us. So I think that is significant. I, I do see so many people now fully recovering or mostly recovering from long COVID, CFS, I mean, years of disability from these symptoms. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of testimonials. Um, there's also, there are quite a few studies out now on, for instance, the Boulder back pain study and another study out of Harvard showing about two thirds or more of people using this approach for chronic back pain had a resolution of symptoms. These are people who, you know, didn't respond to traditional methods. So there's 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 studies that show it work. The the brain functions this way. I think the medical system is just a very slow moving machine. <laughs> Some people say it's 20, 30 years behind uh, neuroscience. And so we're grateful we can just sort of tune in to ourself and 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 to, you know, to source and and go directly and not have to wait decades. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I have one that I wanted to share, which is, I haven't talked much about it, but as many of the listeners know, uh, last summer or the summer before summer 2022. Now I did went and did some, a lot of ayahuasca with the groups called Santo Daime. And after that, the fall, I couldn't get Elvis Presley out of my head, even though I never liked him, never listened to his music, but it was just always there. And I couldn't stop listening to his music, couldn't stop, uh, do, you know, looking up his movies. And it was just, and I kept thinking, I need to write a book, but I kept putting it off. And then in January of this year, suddenly I had really bad hip pain on my left hip. 
I, and I could barely walk the dogs or go for a walk. It was so painful. I was like, oh, my God, at 55, it's gone. It's over. I would have to get surgery. I can't walk. This is terrible. As soon as I started writing the book on February 1st, the pain went away. So, of course, it made sense because when Elvis would get excited, he would shake his left hip. It was actually a nervous reaction. He never, like, on purpose decided to do that stuff. It was just he had anxiety. So I was like, oh, so it manifested as hip pain. So I'm glad it went away. But I was able to make the connection. In the old days, I would have been like, oh, it just went away. But it was really painful. Again, I could barely walk. So, Miguel, did you interpret that as you needed to start your book? That was the the wisdom in the symptoms. Yeah, I think it was a it was a collective. It's like my whole body and soul was like, you need to stop write this book. It's there's no uh yeah, there's no choice. And luckily very uh, a publisher has accepted it recently. So it's meant to be. It's again, there's a destiny that all of us have, and I don't know, this destiny does not entail necessarily money or fame or acceptance in your cert, but you have a destiny and Sometimes it's your ancestors that are speaking. Sometimes it's your inner self. Sometimes it could be some Elvis Presley. Go, who knows? <laughs> That's a great. <laughs> don't story. ask questions. <laughs> yeah, don't ask. Just shut up and do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have, and congratulations on the progress of the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank I'm you very kind much. of a. Like I have kind of a similar story. When I I had a lot of. Um, fatigue and insomnia at one point and then I kind of did a bit of an active imagination exercise um and it and started writing and a book idea came out of that um and felt a lot better it was highly therapeutic I I loved it really and uh, the book really is um this novel here Ego's Odyssey it's a psychological fantasy that's kind of got an ancient Greek type setting and um what it's about really is um, a character called Ego who just basically interacts with various archetypes of the collective unconscious and um, kind of negotiates with them, fights with them, and um, tries to integrate and differentiate. And uh, it's, it's kind of a bit like the Red Book, Young's Red Book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was very therapeutic for me. And... Uh, yeah, I, I got a book out of it. So, yeah. Good deal. Yeah. And again, there's no no guarantees. Who knows if my book or your book will sell. Maybe it's meant to be nah. read by one person and that will change your life and they will change history. Who knows? But uh, when you're listening, things are just better. You're in the flow of the universe. So. Yeah. And creativity is such a powerful healing source in and of itself, no matter the outcome. Right. Just to to create because you must, because you're guided to create. And actually, I didn't mention this, but when I went through that year where I was at intense symptoms, but I felt really surrendered to them, I just started doing a lot more creative writing, especially poetry. And that would just take my mind off the symptoms. And I just would enter that that sort of, you know, that void, that state of flow. And it was in this poetry online class because I really couldn't go to many places. But it was in that class that I met the woman who said, look, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I healed through John Sarno's and Howard Schubner's work. 
you're not sick, you can do this, and I got it. So I think it's just following the creative impulse, whether that's writing a book or um, doing anything else in your life that just feels true to you, even if you don't understand it. Well said. I would certainly agree with that. And why do you guys think or have you thought about why this is happening? I mean, we obviously all agree repressed emotions, trauma, all that stores in the body and our body's trying to tell us something. Our mind is trying to communicate and it will use the body to communicate in negative ways if we're not listening. Mm. When do you think we started repressing so much? Do you think it's a Victorian thing, a Protestant movement, or has it always been that way? I mean, when were we taught to repress it all in and just go well, about our business? Yeah, that's a great question. I think really, the, the or, if you're going to go back up the chain of causation and go right to the origin of repression, it really comes with uh, the, the ego, the creation of the ego itself. Mm. and um there's something about this in buddhism where um it's uh basically the assumption of a name and form where you begin to identify with thoughts and then form a mind out of that that is the origin of suffering and um because then of course if you've got an ego if you've got a mind there's going to be things that are repressed if you take on a distinct form then everything else is not you and then that all has to kind of be repressed. The original unity as well has to be repressed. And uh, this then leads to desire, which, of course, you know, desire and fear, two sides of the same coin. If you want something, you're afraid of not getting it. And, uh, you know, even then when you get it, you're basically um, satisfied temporarily and um, fear, you know, losing it. Uh, and can be frustrated and disappointed when you fail to get it again, whatever it may be, uh, the object of desire. And then, yeah, and then from there, you know, a, a lot has to be repressed to try and fit in because, of course, you want the approval of others. And this is a lot of what um, Sano was talking about with the perfectionist personality type that was particularly prone to psychosomatic symptoms. Mm. I mean, if you're trying to be perfect, you're basically trying to, gain the approval of others effectively and maintain a certain self-image maintain your own um, ego or identity and yeah i really think that um all mind body healing involves to some extent a shift of the ego or a, a loosening of the identity the ego becomes less rigid whether that's through integrating unconscious emotions kind of broadens out the ego to include formally repressed socially undesirable traits um or whether that's mindfulness meditation and you're basically taking a step back from the ego to some extent disidentifying from it so it's like there's a thought but it's not me and you kind of become the awareness behind the thought um you know there's pain it's not me you kind of accept it, leave it where it is, but and don't obsess about it and panic about it, but um, just um, observe it in a kind of disinterested manner. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I really think it, it comes with the uh, the assumption of an ego itself would be the origin of suffering. Um, but rep repressions, you know, they're kind of at a heyday in the Victorian era, but it's 
making a bit of a comeback now. I mean, there's so many rules, so many <laughs> things you can't um, say and, and do, and so many um, everything's observed so much. You know, um, it does it does lead to a lot of repression, and that could be why we're seeing so much chronic illness now. You know, makes sense. What do you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I don't I don't know where it began, but I do agree with Rob. I, I've noticed that when I'm fighting different parts of myself, the symptoms can flare up more. They're like a barometer for the different parts at war. And I find the more I can be in unity with these parts. And one way I do that is is what Rob, Rob described, but mindful awareness, just sort of being the observer, expanding awareness out into consciousness, but also not detaching from the the human, including the human, you know, and tracking the sensations and the emotions and thoughts, but being that expanded awareness that is holding it all. I've also found it can be helpful to work with some of the, the painful parts with self-compassion and just just really love them. I think my experience of fighting my body and resisting the sensations for so long just proved to me that that strategy wasn't helpful and that love is a far more healing force because these parts of us that are vying for attention are are trying to help. This is part of internal family systems. But they're, you know, they're misguided. <laughs> They've lost their way. Indeed, indeed. And and do, do you guys work with addicts or people with addictions? Could that work too? I don't directly work so much with people with addictions, but that comes up a lot that I think addictions, and John Sarno wrote about this to some extent, they can be considered kind of quasi mind-body symptoms or TMS where, I mean, they are a way to distract or protect us from feeling the underlying painful emotions. So in a way, an addiction is very similar to a symptom. It's another strategy of the subconscious mind to numb out what's painful. So I think you can use a lot of these same, same techniques. I do work with people with um, disordered eating quite a bit. That that comes up a lot because a lot of people in chronic pain or chronic fatigue also have addictive behaviors or disordered eating as part of this. And, and the way I see it too is none of us are to blame. We, we don't want to beat ourselves up, uh, but we want to find the support we need because typically when we start these addictive behaviors and or our brain subconsciously generates symptoms, it's because we don't have the resources and the support we need to process the trauma and to really feel the emotions in the body or even just to find more healthy strategies and, and belief systems. What about you, Rob? You agreed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... The only thing I would say is that um, for me, releasing the repressed emotions in the first few kind of initial breakthrough um, insights that I had about these traumas and the effect they were having on my body was more useful than uh, what I did later with the journaling, which was kind of turn it into a ritual and repetitively go over similar themes and similar emotions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't 
fully heal until I really broke all the rules and got out of all the routines. Mm. Um, even though it meant kind of riding out a bit of a storm because, you know, when you, it was a bit, it was a kind of a bit, it became a bit like the diet in that when I was on the diet, if I ate a certain food, I, if I, by sticking to the diet, I kind of got a temporary improvement. But if I then ate a certain food like gluten, I'd feel terrible. Mm. And eventually when I ritualized the journaling after the initial breakthroughs, um, if I kind of missed a session, I would have insomnia and fatigue. And then I, you know, just get back to journaling and that's how it became the routine and uh, feel slightly better. So yeah, it, it wasn't really until I broke all the rules and the more rules I broke, the better I felt ultimately. Um, and also, yeah, the, the kind of psychotherapy and journaling aspect really only works with physical symptoms. If you believe it's good in a mind body link, if you know, there's a mind body link, I think, um, Rebecca experienced this. Um, uh, I, I believe you had some, you did some psychotherapy before you had the kind of eureka moment when you found Doc Schubin's work. Is that right? Right. That's true. I had started doing some psychotherapy for the, this rape that happened to me. And I had kind of some sense that, well, this must make things worse, but I didn't really understand that was causing the symptoms. I mean, the symptoms and the emotional trauma were the same thing. And until I made that link and realized that these sensations in my body aren't dangerous. They're speaking to me. They're crying out for attention. They're wanting to be acknowledged at the emotional level. You know, I, I wasn't able to recover. So I think some of the deep psychotherapy is really helpful. But when it's sort of in the context of this biomedical paradigm, which separates the mind and mm. the body, mm. people still think, they're sick and they're broken and maybe they can just manage it or kind of heal emotionally with psychotherapy, but they don't realize it's the same thing. And Dr. Sh Howard Schubner's work was really pivotal for me. He's a contemporary physician who is such a visionary and is, is bringing Sarno's work really into the contemporary age. Well, as we uh, we are approaching the end, uh, I will, of course, have your information and link on the show notes. For those who are listening on audio or away from your desk or device, listening on audio while it's still on video. But uh, yeah, for those, please, Rebecca, share where they can find out more about your work. Yeah, so the best place is my website, RebeccaTolan.com, because I have lots of free blogs and videos and ways to really understand this work. And, and I get emails all the time from people who say, you know, I read your blog, I watched your videos, I read John Sarno's book, read Rob's book, and I recovered, you know, and they may never even need to see somebody. I also have a YouTube channel, Rebecca Tolan. You can just look up on YouTube. And um, yeah, if this appeals to you, really open your mind to the possibilities of how you can feel in your body and your life. Great. Rob, where can people find out about your heresies? Uh, um, <laughs> well, robertenser.com, that's spelled E-N-S-O-R, is my website. And, um, yeah, I do some mind body coaching and all the books are on there as well. 
And uh, Rebecca's stories in this book, as well as my story, The Mind Solution, that's on Amazon. If you just type The Mind Solution into Amazon, it should come up. Uh, it's full of science about autoimmune disease, um, ALS, uh, chronic pain, a summary of John Sarno's ideas. And I think Rebecca was alluding to this. This is a very kind of special field because people can heal just by absorbing information and believing in it. Um, and Sarno's book, um, Healing Back Pain, you, you look through the reviews of that on Amazon, there's plenty of people who've healed just by reading the book. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's what he's kind of saying is that um, the knowledge, you know, the, his, his, most of his patients healed by believing the knowledge he gave them, ignoring the pain and resuming normal activities. And the knowledge it can be done by believing it can be done for them became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, um, you know, basically he's saying that you don't have to do anything except believe the words he's giving you. And the knowledge that you don't have to do anything to heal is very kind of relaxing and reassuring uh, and liberating for some people. I mean, some people need a method and that's fine. Um, but basically, yeah, Sano's telling us that we're going to be okay. And for me, that was really all I needed to hear. And, and the rest was uh, to, to an extent detail. Uh, he just, just gives people permission to heal and not be afraid. So I'd also recommend his work, really. Wonderful. Yes. All we got to do is listen, take, listen to our bodies, listen to it. it all the solutions are there. Uh, and yes, when, the, as this show, when this show comes out, we will be in the full swing of the holiday. So yeah, winter is coming, but so is trauma because the holidays just trigger so much. So yeah, get this information. You'll be surprised where your mind will take you and it will be to some amazing places. But yeah, we are at the end. Well, first of all, Rebecca, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time and wisdom. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And Rob, thank you very much for, uh, yeah, coming on too and setting this all up. It's, uh, I know it's very, it's rewarding for me and it will be re very rewarding for the audience. Well, yeah, thanks for giving me the platform, Miguel. Really means a lot. I wonder if that's uh, this is the podcast of your dream where you lifted up the book, but I didn't want to be too egotistical. Could be, like, could be, this yeah, is yeah. A, the circ the Ouroboros is closed, and now we <laughs> are going to move to a different stage of our life. So let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, as Elvis said, if I can dream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, 
innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.